Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Whether you guys are in the room or whether you're joining us online, we're so glad you're with us. If you have Bibles, go ahead and open them to Luke chapter 10. Or if you have apps or open it on your phone, just swipe on it, open to Luke chapter 10. It's where we're going to be for this morning. And while you guys are swiping open, uh, I want to talk to you about a, a topic I've become uh, more acquainted with and more familiar with uh, during quarantine. Uh, and it's this topic of convenience. Have you noticed how much more we've relied on convenience in this, uh, this unique 2020 we're living in? Uh, there are, it seems to me, uh, ways that convenience really helps us in life, and then other ways where convenience actually doesn't help us in life. And let me give you some examples. Convenience, very helpful in retail and in restaurants, okay? When quarantine hit, we were like, oh man, how am I going to go to the grocery store, Publix, Target, Walmart, I got to wear the mask, there's the different aisles. You know, the first time you go down the wrong aisle and you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to go down this way. Like, you just have that panic, it becomes really anxious, like, moment there for you. And so, they have this thing, have you heard about it, called curbside pickup? Have y'all seen this? You get on your phone, you order your groceries, you pay for them, you drive to a location, someone opens up the hatch puts it in your car, closes the trunk, and you have your groceries. It's amazing, right? You drive home, you unload them. This is a really incredible thing, right? So convenient. Convenience, so helpful in in retail and restaurants. Drive-throughs, right? Every drive-through has gotten uh, significantly better under quarantine. Uh, It used to be like Chick-fil-A, McDonald's were really great, but now everybody gets you in and out of there in three minutes. In fact, we were on a date night the other night and we pulled into a line and there was like 20 cars in it. And I was like, okay, well, this should take three minutes. And it took like a minute in, I didn't move. And I was like, nope. And we just drove to the thing next door and we got in their line and we were in and out. We, we now, we won't stay in line anymore if it's not convenient because we associate it with our restaurant. Amazon, okay, Amazon packages. I thought I liked Amazon before quarantine. Now I really like Amazon. Anything you need, you just like get on there and order it and like a drone flies it and drops it into your living room now is what I'm told. Like it's, it's crazy. Like I get home and I open the garage and the Amazon guy's like, just dropping stuff off. I'm like, oh my goodness, why are you in my garage? Uh, like it's crazy how convenient this is. Convenience, so helpful in retail and restaurants, but not in relationships. Have you noticed how convenience actually works against relationships? Uh, think about this. A few nights ago, one of my kids came downstairs. It was like two in the morning. They start tapping me. I'm asleep. It's right, like right in the REM sleep. Just like, uh, right? Tapping me. I wake up. I'm foggy. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Is the house on fire? They're like, no, the house isn't on fire. Okay, what's going on? I had a nightmare, daddy. Now imagine if I'm thinking primarily through the lens of convenience. Okay? I'm like, I'm sorry, baby. This is not a good time for me. Uh, I have a REM sleep right now. Uh, so... It's two o'clock. If you could just go upstairs and process through the nightmare, that would be great. I, I have an appointment tomorrow at 11 a.m. Maybe I could fit you in there. That would be more convenient for me right now. And if I tell you this, I mean, many of you have the posture in the room. You're just going like, you're a bad dad, right? Uh, anyone who does that, you're like, that's a, that's, that's a terrible father, right? Why? Because convenience doesn't work for us in relationships. Or consider this. I'm a young adult pastor. Lots of people are getting married despite 
uh, popular belief, young adults are still getting married and doing like 20 weddings this summer, right? All these people get married. Imagine you show up at the reception and the uh, bride gets up and says, you know, many people have asked why I decided to marry the groom today. And while I looked at all the candidates, all the possible people I could marry in the whole world, he was the lowest hanging fruit, right? Just super convenient to marry that guy, like no pushback at all. Like pretty much our marriage is just gonna be me dominating him and it's so convenient for me and that's what we're gonna do, right? All of us are in there, we're like, yeah, that's, that's not a good start. Like in the room, we're just, we're cringing as she's giving the talk, like stop talking, take the microphone, right? Convenience, great in retail and restaurants, but not in relationships. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that convenience doesn't work for us in relationships? Well, Jesus has something to say about that in Luke 10. He tells this story about how we love our neighbors and teaching us about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And here's what he says, starting in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, let me stop there. I grew up in the home of a lawyer. And one of the things my dad told me from a very early age is that we should never ask questions we don't already know the answers to. Because this is how the legal profession works out. If some of you are in the room are you know, lawyers, you get this, you're nodding right now, right? Lawyers don't ask questions to get answers that they don't know. They get questions to get answers they know so they can move the conversation towards their negotiation points, where they're trying to get. And so you, you ask questions to set things up. And this is exactly what the lawyer is doing here. He's trying to set Jesus up thinking, okay, if I ask this question, he'll give me this answer. I'll ask this follow-up question. He'll give this answer and we'll get to the point I'm trying to get to. He's trying to pull one over on Jesus. What he doesn't understand is that he's in conversation with the smartest man who's ever lived because he's God. And so Jesus understands this and responds this way. Verse 26, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, uh, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now let me talk about that question here. What the lawyer is doing is he's asking a question of exclusion. He's trying to figure out who all at minimum do I need to love so I can maximize the efficiency of my love to be the most convenient for me as possible. Just tell me the limits on the perimeters of my love, love so I can love these people, but everybody outside of this scope, I don't have to love. To give you an illustration, uh, my wife and I were saving up for a trip this year. You know, like many of us, we you know, saved up the money to appease Dave Ramsey. And then, you know, we had our budget and we had a little extra. And so I was like, for the first time, I'm a grown-up now. I have kids. I'm like, hey, let me do what grown-ups do and get travel insurance on these tickets. And so I purchased the policy. And then coronavirus hit and they canceled my airlines. And I'm like, great, I have travel insurance. It pays off, right? I feel like my dad. I'm an adult. And I go through and I contact the travel uh, insurance agency and said, hey, would love my refund, whatever. And they said, oh, I'm sorry. If you will look at our list of exceptions, number 17 there is exceptions, global pandemic. <laughs> right. You probably had the two immediate thoughts I had. Number one, who is the president of this company? Because they're Nostradamus, right? 
we need to give that guy a raise and get him in charge of some national global agency dealing with the coronavirus because he saw this coming for a while and he's out to get me in this little uh, you know, insurance situation here. Number two, I thought, man, that is just terrible. Like, what? God, man, you're, like, I felt like that company was such a jerk. And I was like, I, how, I, I'm being excluded from something I thought I, I, thought I was going to get. And the lawyer's saying this on the other side. How can I exclude people? So Jesus hears this, and here's how he answers. Verse 30, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up all his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him up on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave it to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. Um, and whenever, uh, whatever more you spend, I will repay you. And when I come back, uh, I will repay you when I come back. That's what he says. Verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now, there's one big truth that we see from this about the way that loving our neighbors works. The ethic of love that Jesus teaches as part of Christianity, and they're kind of packaged in two interrelated truths. The first one is this, you can't love from a distance. You cannot love someone from a distance. The Levite who grew up in the religious family and the priest who was a religious leader, they walked on the other side of the road and was like, I'm not going to get involved in this mess. This is too messy. This is too uncomfortable. This is too inconvenient. I'm just going to avoid this forever and forever and forever and just move over here. And Jesus says, you can't love people from a distance. Love doesn't work that way. Um, I was thinking about this concept of trying to love from a distance, and the, the image came to mind of uh, going to basketball games. You remember when we used to go to basketball games, when that used to exist? Uh, sorry, I'm still having a hard time, but hopefully NBA will pick back up soon. Uh, I went to an Orlando Magic game, and, uh, you know, we're sitting in the top rows or whatever, and then they do t-shirt time. You guys are aware of this. The guy comes out with a cannon with a shirt loaded into it, and some producer was like, this is a good idea, right? And he just starts shooting this cannon up in the air. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, I want a t-shirt. And he shoots a cannon and you like catch it. Now, when I get the t-shirt, I'm very grateful. But I don't feel loved by that guy. I feel terrified by a man with a cannon, okay? Like that's scary. He's trying to shoot a t-shirt from over here. And this is what I think we do sometimes. Hey, I love you from way over here. Hey, I, you know, over here I'll love you. But I don't want to get too, right? You can't love from a distance. Why? Because love happens up close. Love gets up close. Yesterday at our VBS, we had this uh, really great thing our kids ministry put on. They did an incredible job. Uh, Friday and Saturday. They did this deal. I mean, you kind of maybe saw some, some images or you saw it on social media where, you know, parents showed up with kids in car and you went through this parade route on campus and the final place was this, this location uh, and all the kid staff was there and there was a DJ and there was energy and Pastor David was there with Rachel and there's signs and there's confetti and people are really energetic and they're like, yeah! And Matthew Robinson, one of our pastors, was on the microphone 
phone, here comes the Hankins family. And we pulled up and the kids staff took this box that had a t-shirt in it and they walked it up to my car at a social distance and we rolled down the window and they gave the t-shirt. They handed it over to my kids. And I knew this was coming because I was part of some of those meetings and I heard about that. But even in the moment as I'm having that where the, the, the staff is walking up and saying hi to my kids and calling them by names and giving them up close a t-shirt here, I started crying. Why? Because love gets up close. Shooting a t-shirt up there, that's from a distance. Love gets up close. There's something about being up close that communicates love. Look at the Samaritan. The text says in verse 34, he went to him and bound up his wounds. The Samaritan didn't walk on the other side. He went up close and dealt with the wounds and got into the messiness of his life. And then he put him on his animal or on his beast. It's probably a horse or some kind of donkey. Now just think about that. Uh, any of you guys ride horses, donkeys, cows? No judgment, just curious. Goats, right? Okay. All right, we got some people. Okay, you have to have really strong leg muscles, and really strong core muscles. If you don't hold on, you what? You fall off. This guy who's on the side of the road is unconscious. How does he stay on the animal? He can't. So here's what happens. The Samaritan puts him on top of the beast and puts an arm over him and walks with him to the inn. Like the guy who goes and buys a mattress, but he drives a sedan, so he has to put the mattress on top of his roof and roll down the window and hold on to it while he drives down the road like this, and he can do it because he's really strong, right? This is what the Samaritan has to do with that man. He is up close, and then when he gets to the inn, he gives him to the innkeeper and gives the innkeeper money and says, I'm now deputizing you into the closeness of this love relationship. Take care of this guy, and when I come back, if you spend any of your money, I'll give you more money because I want to make sure this guy is cared for. Love can't happen from a distance. It has to get up close. You can clap for that. Sorry. Social etiquette is weird now with coronavirus. It's like, can I clap? Is that a problem? Do I put a mask on my hands? I don't know what to do. Like, I, okay, right. Listen, why is it that love only happens up close? Why can't love happen from the convenience of my safety and my non-vulnerability over here? Why do I have to get into other people's messes and be a part of that? And because the way we understand love comes not from us, it comes from God. And the way that God modeled love is he got up close. Think about Genesis 1. God creates the universe in verse 1 of chapter 1 of Genesis. And God created the heavens and the earth and he created them formless and void, which means they're chaotic. And God didn't leave it at chaos over here. He wasn't just like, man, that's messed up. Let me check out. He got up close and he ordered creation. Day by day created the skies and the seas and the animals and the birds and in Genesis 2, he deputized humanity into his whole ordering process. He gave Adam the responsibility of naming all the animals. God is intimately involved with his creation. Why? Because he loves his creation. So much so, the most famous in the world, uh, verse in the world tells us this in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, you know it, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But verse 17 is really interesting if you've ever read that. That's John 3, 16. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You know what that word con condemn means? It means to separate for the purpose of judgment. 
God did not send Jesus into the world. He loved the world. He didn't send Jesus in the world to stand over here separate from the world and judge it. But he sent Jesus to save the world. And we know that saving is something that's an up close kind of act because anybody who's ever been boating and someone falls in the water, no one in that boat goes, well, I hope you can learn to swim. Here's a life raft. Oh, you can't figure out the physics and the physiology of swimming. Maybe a, a life raft will help you. Oh, you can't grab onto that. Hope you save yourself. No one does that. You put on a life raft and you jump into the the water and you get up close and you put their head above water and you hold them tight and you kick your little fins back to the boat and you grab on and you pull them up using your core muscles that you use for riding donkeys and goats and then you pull yourself up into that boat and you make sure they're okay. Are you okay? I'm okay. Are you okay? I'm okay. Are you okay? And that whole process of saving somebody from drowning happens up close. God loves the world. And the way he defines love is it's not something that you come into the world and you stand apart in judgment. You get up close. Love is an up close kind of thing. And so, here's the question I want to ask us today. How in the world can we love up close from a social distance? In an age of social distance, didn't like the CDC and the government and the people who we really love and we really support and we really uh, respect, when they tell us maintain six feet, are they in effect telling us, well, sorry, you don't have to love people anymore, just stay over here, right? How do you get up close from a social distance? I think it's possible. And I think all of us can love our neighbors up close, even in an age of social distancing, by modeling three things that Jesus did. And here they are. Number one, we can pray. We can pray for people. The New Testament says over and over again that one of the things Jesus does is that he intercedes for us before we ever get up in the morning. Jesus is praying for us. He's interceding the right hand of the Father on our behalf. And the way we get to model love for our neighbors is that we get to pray for them. We have an opportunity to just pray for them. Now, this term neighbor, let me define this really quickly, okay? Neighbor is anybody who becomes a recurring character in the story of your life. Okay, if you notice this person two times, that may be your neighbor, right? This could be actually your neighbor in your apartment or your home. This could be a coworker. This could be a friend. This could be the lady at the store that you go to all the time that you seem to really hit it off with every time you buy stuff, right? It could be your Amazon delivery person. Some of you see them all the time, right? Uh, but whoever is a recurring character in the story of your life, this is your neighbor. And one of the best, things you, uh, best ways to love that neighbor is to pray for them. Have you noticed how it's impossible to start praying for somebody and then not care about them more? Like, you're, you know, Jesus teaches this. Hey, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because even your enemy, if you start praying for him, if you just like have an enemy board, which I, I don't think you should do, but hey, no judgment, right? Uh, you know, if you have an enemy whiteboard at your house, you're like enemy. And you, instead of like thinking hateful things for him, you just start praying for your enemies like that. Pretty soon, the next time you see your enemy, you're gonna be like, I hate you less, Right? And you keep praying for him after a month or two, you're like, you know, I sort of can stand you now, right? You keep praying for him, and after a while, you're like, how is your family, right? Just there's something about praying for other people that makes you care about them. Why? Because you're getting up close to them. You are spiritually interceding on behalf of that person. So you can pray for your neighbors. Second thing you can do, you can communicate. Jesus wrote a love letter to us called the Bible, in which he communicates how he feels about us and what he expects of us and how he wants us to participate with him in ministry. One of the best things we can do is communicate with our neighbors. 
Now, if you don't have their text number, right, if you don't have uh, their social media, you're not on that level yet, uh, I think it would be incredibly appropriate to just go old school and, you know, cut down a tree, mill it into a piece of paper, uh, you know, get a quill, put some ink, uh, or just buy it at a store somewhere. Amazon, I I hear, has that. Um, They'll deliver, too. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, You could get a piece of paper and a pen, and you could just write a note. And you can just say, hey, listen, you may not know me, but I'm your neighbor, I'm your coworker, I'm your, you know, whatever. Listen, I just want to let you know that, that, like, there's people in Orlando that are for you, and we're praying for you. And so, here you go. Here's my name. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of this. Uh, our Disney ministry, we have this ministry, this life group to uh, people who work at Disney, cast members. And they did this really cool project where they wrote notes, and they prayed for all these cast members. And they, they would walk around and just hand out notes to all the cast members at random in the parks. Hey, we're praying for you. And the cast members would tell us over and over again, that meant so much to us. Because you know this, like if you work in one of the parks, mostly what you get is people yelling at you. Like it's not fast enough, it's too hot. Why is it rain in Florida? And you're like, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's only done that forever. So I don't know, right? Uh, but you go and you hand off a note to that person, man, that's a whole nother ball game. So one of the best ways you can love people is to communicate with them. And finally, presence. You could pray that God allows you to be present in their life. Now, this can be physically or digitally, right? If you, if you can't be physically present, the question to ask is not how far away can I get, but how close can I get to that person? And if, if close enough for you is on Facebook or is, if close enough for you is through FaceTime or if close enough for you is on a Zoom call, then man, pick up a phone, call somebody. Hey, I just want to check in eyeball to eyeball. I want to see how you're doing. If, if you can get physically present, then man, if the CDC guidelines are 12 feet away, you go, okay, I'm walking up to 12 feet and I'm going to love you from here. And they say closer, you're like, cool, closer, right? And if they say six feet, you're like, closer, look, I got the mask on. And listen, I love you. I just, right? But at some point you want to be in their lives. It's incredible. You never know what God may do if you get up close with your neighbor and you love them. Now, here's how I want us to respond. I want us to practice something. We can't really be present with a lot of our neighbors right now. Uh, We could maybe text and communicate, but there is something we could do here. I want us to take the first step towards this right now. I want to invite us to pray. So Roberto's going to come out on stage, and he's going to sing a song for us. Here's what I want you to do. Pull out your phones. It's totally okay to have your phones out. There's no judgment, right? Open up to your notes section. Open up to whatever. If if you're online, maybe you want to post in the, the chat box there. But I want you to post the name of a neighbor who's near you, first name only. Don't put social security information or credit card stuff. That would be bad, right? But just the name of a neighbor or a couple of neighbors who are near you that you want to begin praying for. Again, someone who's a recurring character in the story of your life, coworker, friend, maybe your actual next door neighbor. doesn't have to be that. But here's the question I want you to ask. Who's the neighbor near you that God wants you to get closer to? Who is the neighbor near you right now in your life that God wants you to get closer to? And I want to invite you while Roberto plays the song, to begin praying for them, however you need to pray. And then I'll come back up on the back end and I'll close this out. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.